Welcome and good morning, one and all. Welcome to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. I'm Doug Ray, and with me is Bryce Payne. We are back from our July 4th break and uh, happy to be back in the saddle and just roaring to go. How about roaring you, Bryce? To go. Yeah, hey, had a good uh, good time off. Doug, you were up in, uh, you, you and uh, Sherry took some time off up in Banner Elk. Well, how did that go? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It was so nice up there. The air was crystal clear. We were drinking coffee in the morning, 57-degree weather. Oh, I'd go back right now. Very nice. I know you would. I know you would. And you've been up there before. That's one of your more yeah. common hangouts, of course. Yeah, we like it up there. Very good. And uh, I myself went the other direction. I headed out to Jordan Lake for the first time, took the uh, camper and the uh, RV out there, the kayak. And I tell you what, my wife has a lot of good ideas. But one of the better ideas that she's had in the last couple of years was she got us both electric bikes. Oh, okay. And I was not thrilled about the idea at first. I, yeah, I've been a mountain biker for years. Sure, from uh, Colorado and everything. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I thought, well, electric bikes—that just means you don't have to work as hard. It's it. But I tell you what, it opens up worlds, especially out there at campsites like that, where uh-huh. you can travel on these isolated roads for several miles that you wouldn't have normally bothered to hike or bike to. And because the park is halfway closed down, I was out there with nobody else around for miles. Had found this dirt road over to the beach that was closed and could sit out there on the beach all by myself. How cool. Nobody around. Yeah, so electric bikes, uh, That my wife, I give her credit for that one. That was a great idea, and I, she didn't go with me. She stayed at home and had to work, but uh, oh, I took some time off, and I loved them. So uh, if you haven't... Folks, if that idea sounds appealing to you, look into electric bikes. They are great. But, Doug, uh, we are back in the saddle here and uh, had a lot of things going on here at the office in our absence. But uh, what do we have on uh, the show for today? Well, folks, we got a great show for you. And especially business owners, if you are tuned in this morning, you need to pay attention to our case study that's coming up. All right. So let's uh, get started on today's show here, Doug. Uh, we've got uh, listener questions coming in. Yeah, it's that time of the month again. Very good. Well, let's get started. Uh, Mick. Mick, hi. You are in High Point, And he says, with so much market uncertainty recently, and you are not kidding about that, Mick, is this a good time? To buy bonds. Wow. Okay. That's a great question. It is. And probably a lot of people will think, sure it is, or they'll have the other thought, sure it isn't. Yeah. Doug, your thoughts on that? So bonds are, uh, you know, one of the things that have always been used in a portfolio for safety, for income, uh, because typically bonds uh, tend to offset the downside of the stock market. But unfortunately, uh, because interest rates are so low now, I mean, fact of the matter is, 10-year Treasury bond is, what, around uh, 0.65%? In that area. Somewhere in there. I mean, not even a point. Um, At least it's not negative anymore. Yeah. (laughs) We don't even use bonds in our our plans uh, because it's a double-edged sword. You're not getting income off of them, and the fact of the matter is the day interest rates start going back up, and folks, they will, I promise you, at some point interest rates will go back up, then your bond is going to get hit hard, exceedingly hard. Yeah, it's going to go down in value. With interest rates as low as this is, if we have a 1% or 2% increase in interest rates, you're going to get a haircut on the price of your bond of somewhere between – 
20 and 30 percent. That's outrageous. So we don't even use bonds anymore. We have a bond replacement vehicle that we use, and uh, fixed indexed annuities are a big part of the bond replacement part of the portfolio. And we still use equities, absolutely, as part of the portfolio. But bonds, sorry to tell you, Mick, I would not be buying bonds now. Yeah, there's a couple of different options. Whatever you're trying to accomplish with bonds, there's uh, probably some a multitude of better options out there for you than uh, than that. All right, Doug, well, thank you for that. And Mick, thank you for your question. We're going to move on now to Julius and Clemens. And Julius asks us, Bryce and Doug, I recently had a REIT proposed to me as an investment I should consider. Okay. What are your thoughts on these? Well, Doug, I guess the first question I would ask is, is it a private REIT or a public REIT? Mm, good question. You know, back in my broker days, I made a lot of money for folks in REITs, but they were listed REITs. And uh, there's two types, a listed REIT and a non-listed REIT. Let's define that, too, for people out there who probably don't know. We just use that acronym, but it's Real Estate Investment Trust. Right. And it's like a mutual fund, if you will. Of real estate. Of real estate properties. They could be uh, healthcare type properties. They could be commercial office you know, Class A buildings, it could be uh, even retail-type uh, shopping centers, malls, that kind of thing. You hear them advertised on the radio. Yep, you do. And, um, you know, a REIT is appropriate in its, uh, its place and its uh, portions. Now, typically, I would default to a listed REIT. Right. Because the non-listed REITs don't have liquidity. It's it, tough to get out of them when you want to. It's extremely tough to get out. A listed REIT, it's just like a stock. Mutual on, fund, yeah. yeah. Just listed on New York Get Stock in and exchange. out when you want to. Exactly. And, Doug, we would caution anybody to have really a diversified portfolio. And, folks, whether you, it's gold that you're into or, or real estate that you're into, always balance your portfolio out so that you're not having – 50 or 40 or even 25% of your assets mm -hmm. in one particular sector because that can be risky. Right. But yeah, REITs, uh, any type of real estate can have a, a part in your portfolio. And Julius, uh, the one thing that you want to consider is, is it a publicly traded? Is it a listed REIT or is it an unlisted REIT? Because that's going to, if it's unlisted, as Doug said, that could spell some liquidity issues for you down the road when you want to uh, move some monies around. All right. I promised you business owners a, a really cool case study. And actually, this is not just for business owners. It works really well for business owners, but it could be for anybody. Uh, we've got clients, uh, business owners. They're, uh, he's 64 and his wife is 62, interested in long-term care. Uh, but they were not particularly motivated by the old-fashioned long-term care, and neither are Bryce and I. Uh, the old-fashioned stuff is uh, hard to qualify for, it's expensive, and it gets more expensive. And if you never use it, uh, you've wasted all your money in premiums. Like car insurance. Exactly. So we use asset-based long-term care. Now, here's how this works in this particular case. Keep in mind, we can design these asset-based policies in any fashion you want, but this particular case worked really well. He had $150,000 that was basically sitting in a bank making nothing and wanted to deploy it into something that would be beneficial to him and his wife. So what we did is we said, okay, let's take this $150,000, we'll put it in an asset-based policy. That $150,000 is going to earn some interest, like 2.5%, not a lot, but better than the bank. But more importantly, what that is going to do for them is it's going to offer them the ability to have home health care and long-term care. 
Now listen to this, folks. For $150,000, you're just moving it from one pocket to the next pocket. It's still making money. You still have access to your $150,000 if you need it. It's going to get them $5,164 per month each tax-free for the rest of their life. Tax-free is a key element there. And for business owners who buy it through their business, that premium, in his case, $150,000, is a tax write-off. Now look, the IRS does not give us deals like this often. They're giving us a great deal. You get a tax write-off as a business owner plus tax-free income to offset these medical, home health, and long-term care expenses. You can't beat it. Think about it. If both of them went into the facility with, say, God bless them, Alzheimer's or something like that, it's $10,329 a month that's tax-free that they can use. And let's say they never use it. Go through life, never use it. That's key. Then a beneficiary gets $172,000 tax-free. So one way or the other, they're going to use this money in their in their life. There's no way to lose it. There's no way to lose it. So if you're interested in a in a plan design like this, give us a call, 336-391-3409. And Bryce, I guess we're getting up to trivia time. That is, Doug. It is trivia time. And again, that number that you just mentioned, 336-391-3409, that is just one element of, it gives you one idea of the things that we discuss with our clients when we do our uh, uh, planning process with them. We have a whole bunch of tricks up our sleeve would you say or just uh sound advice and uh thoughts from our experience our years in the field to help people out in making sure that their retirement plans are set in stone because doug as you said long-term care can be one of those black swans that you just can't predict for and can sink a a, a otherwise sound retirement plan and if you haven't planned for long-term care expenses then that can blow everything else out of the water. This is one way to not really take any risks with your money, yet have that other unforeseen taken care of at the same time. So, uh, folks, we're going to be heading toward a break here, and then we will come back. But before we go to the break, as we always do, it is trivia question time. And, Doug, as again, I have uh, put you in the guinea pig seat here. You don't know what this question is, but here we go. This week in history, specifically July 15th, 1945, what happened for the first time ever in Earth's history happened on July 15th, 1945? Folks, think about it. Um, I'll I'll give you another clue. It happened here in the United States. So there's your clue. And it hasn't happened, fortunately, very many other times. So let's go ahead and go to break, and then we will come back and get you that answer. Put on your thinking caps there, folks. Stick around. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show, folks. Thank you for sticking around through the break. Just want to remind everybody out there that uh, if you are listening and you are five to seven years from retirement and you want to confirm that you're making the best decision for retirement that you can, financially speaking, well, we offer continuously a no-cost, no-obligation, second review of your current portfolio, of your current plan, whether you think you have one or not, and we're going to help you revise that and adjust it so that you can retire the job and keep the paycheck. We're going to help you lower your fees. We're going to help you lower your risk and lower your volatility. There's no point in taking more risk or being exposed to more volatility than you need to in order to have a successful retirement. All you have to do is give us a call at 336 336- 
391-3409. As I said, there's no cost or no obligation for this. Doug and I don't bite. And all you can walk away with is additional information. It's a, it's a win-win situation for you. So again, 336-391-3409. Now, Doug, the answer to the trivia question. Before we left for the break, I asked for this week in history, specifically on July 15th, 1945, what happened for the first time in Earth's history? Well, that sounds like it's close to the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to say, was it the atomic bomb? You got it. The Manhattan Project. Very good, Doug. Everyone uh, get, got one. Everyone give, I think that's the first time that Doug actually figured this Blind out. Blind squirrels good. getting an acorn. All, all I have to do is keep the questions somewhere around your youth. and then <laughs> Oh, shut up. <laughs> yes, folks. July 15th, 1949, Oppenheimer and his crew in the sands of New Mexico created the first <laughs> atomic explosion in Earth's history. And apparently it was pretty hot and pretty uh, bright. And uh, unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to say it, there have been a couple of others since, but uh, not a lot of them. And just a couple of other points here. Uh, July 18th, 1940, Doug, FDR was nominated for his third term, the first time ever that a president was nominated for a third term. And here's something relevant for you. July 15th, 2006, Twitter launched. Oh, wow. The world might look very, very different right now today mm. if Twitter didn't exist. That is, uh, talk about an interesting invention right there. No doubt. All right, folks. Well, we are back now. We are going to continue with some more questions. And, Doug, shall we uh, start off with McCoy in Kernersville? Well, let's get to him in a minute. I, okay. I, wanna, I want to um, just mention this. You know, folks, we, uh, we love to do educational events. And because of COVID, we haven't been able to do one since, golly, uh, I can't even hardly remember. In person? And, uh, you know, until the governor lets us do them again, uh, we are doing webinars and on our uh, website, thewealthguardians.com, if you go on the website and uh, click on the events tab, you will come to a webinar uh, tab. So you can actually see some of our recorded webinars there if you want to. Uh, one of them is about retirement during the COVID crisis mm -hmm. and how it's affected you and everybody else. And then another one is uh, about uh, you know, keeping calm and, and basically retiring on and, and, and not uh, succumbing to, uh, you know, uh, trends and fears. Trends. Yeah, exactly. So uh, try that out, thewealthguardians.com, events tab, webinar, and hopefully soon we can see you in person again and uh, have some Social Security and taxes and retirement and all those neat kind of educational events we've been doing yeah there have been a number of tax law changes specifically for this yeah, year that uh, people no need doubt. to be aware of uh, no point in paying more taxes or undue taxes <laughs> this year folks just because you're following last year's tax rules a lot of things have changed all right very good and uh, doug so now let's uh, go back to our uh, our questions of the month and we're going to pick up where we left off with mccoy in kernersville and he says hi mccoy by the way Doug and Bryce, my financial advisor, seems to do a good job of managing my investments, as far as I can tell, but we never talk about things like Social Security or life insurance or legacy plans, which are all things I feel that I should be getting advice on. Is this typical? That's a good question. Yeah. In, in my experience, it is typical. And let me tell you why. 
you know, I grew up in this business on the brokerage side of the firm and Bryce on the mutual fund side with T. Rowe Price. I was with Merrill Lynch. The brokerage industry basically is set up to grow and accumulate wealth, and that's fine and dandy as long as you are in the stage of life where you're growing and accumulating wealth. And we're talking about your 20s, 30s, 40s, and even 50s. There comes a time where that shift changes. You get into your mid-50s, late-50s, early-60s, you have to go into more of a wealth preservation mode. And that's where retirement specialists come into play. You know, yes, we grow your wealth too, but at the same time, we talk about everything. It's holistic. It's Social Security. It's long-term care. It's life insurance. It's estate planning. It's all that stuff. Now, there's a difference between an investment advisor and a financial planner. Right. And financial planning includes investment advice, but there's a whole lot more to it that just a investment advisor is not going to encompass in their, in their overall conversation. So it's kind of like taking investment advisor and adding a whole bunch of an array of different aspects, like you said, McCoy, social security, life insurance, long-term care insurance, estate planning, all those other things your normal investment advisor wouldn't converse with you about because it's not in their wheelhouse. But if you have a financial planner, particularly a retirement specialist, that is going to be in our wheelhouse. Absolutely. Very good. Thanks for the question, McCoy. We appreciate that. And we appreciate you being a listener. We're going to move on, Doug, to uh, a little bit on the west side of town now. Bert in Yadkinville says, Doug, he doesn't say Bryce. He says, Doug, I want to retire when I'm 55 which is six years away. Okay, I'm doing the math there. That means 49. What should I be doing for the next decade to put myself in a position to do that? Good question. First off, I applaud you for this goal of this early retirement. Yeah, not, not many people can put themselves in a position to retire that young. But yeah, first thing I would do is also I'd have a plan to do something uh, whatever that is, whether it's uh, charity work or hobby or whatever, because you're young at 55 and you need to be active. But what should you be doing? Well, number one, you need to be looking at your balance sheet, so to speak, seeing how much debt you have and start, uh, if you have debt, uh, start paying that off with a goal of getting it paid off when you're, you know, want to retire. Obviously, maximizing your 401k plans, uh, take advantage of that. And at the same time, you want to also start having a retirement plan written down, put in place for you. And if you want to retire six years from now, you need to start doing it now. What do I mean by a written plan? That means something in writing in front of you that you can look at and you can determine that in the year 26, when you retire, Where's this money going to come from to meet my obligations on a monthly basis? It's going to be pre-qualified, it's going to be qualified monies, pre-tax, after-tax monies, uh, a lot of different types of monies out there. And Doug, I would also add two other things there that uh, normally somebody who's 49 can be pretty risky with their, fairly risky with their investments. But if now retirement is only uh, six years away for you, Right now is about the time that you want to start dialing back that risk and moving into that wealth preservation mode that you're talking about is moving away from the wealth accumulation strategy. And, and let me add this, too. You're, you're, you're planning on retiring at 55. If the bulk of your assets are in qualified plans, 
then you have to be very careful about the 10% early distribution penalty. So you need to be mindful of that. So you definitely need some serious uh, planning put in place for you right now. That's very true. And Doug, the other uh, thing that he's really going to have to consider is what type of health care insurance is he going to have mm-hmm. up until Medicare kicks in? Because that's a good 10 years for him. If he's got uh, a retirement health care plan through, uh, through his employer, who will be his uh, ex-employer, then that's going to be great for him. If maybe his wife is still uh, uh, working and he can be on his wife's plan, that's great. But if he's not married or can't be on his wife's plan and he doesn't have a uh, employer plan that he can still be a part of, then that's going to leave him open to the Affordable Care Act or COBRA, something of that nature, and those are not inexpensive. So we've got to make sure that we're doing adequate planning on those costs, too. Mm-hmm. We can't be looking at what he's paying out there in healthcare now. It's going to probably be more expensive. So, Bert, uh, a lot of things on your plate there, but, uh, yeah, we we'll definitely uh, come on in and we can help you figure out all the things that you need to consider there and make sure that uh, six years away actually stays six years away and not doesn't become 10 years away. Well, folks, I know that um, many of you are out and about and you're doing your thing, and maybe some of you didn't hear the first segment of the show. We laid out a case study that I think is worth repeating for you folks, uh, and I want to do that uh, right now. It's about long-term care. Uh, That's a very, very important part of any retirement plan. If you're a business owner, pay particular attention to this. Uh, We've got clients that are 64, 62 years of age, and uh, they're a business owner. They were interested in getting some long-term care. They didn't want the old-fashioned stuff. Uh, We particularly like the new asset-based long-term care because you're going to use that one way or the other. In their situation, they wanted to cover each of them. So he had $150,000 sitting aside in the bank that was paying next to nothing. So in this particular case, we could take that $150,000, put it into a specifically designed asset-based long-term care policy, and this would sit there and it earn some interest, about 2%, maybe 25 3%, not a lot, but it's earning some interest and it's cash sitting there just like it is in a bank. You can still touch it if you want to. But more importantly, what it does is it pays for each of them $5,164 tax-free per month if they need it for home health or long-term care. Now that's each. That's $10,329 a month for both of them for life, tax-free. Now, since they're business owners, guess what? If they buy this policy through the business, that $150,000 premium is tax deductible. The IRS doesn't give us many cases like this. So take advantage of it. And even if you're not a business owner, this is still a great plan because those benefits come out tax-free. And guess what? If you go through life and, God, I hope this happens to you, you never need it then a beneficiary is going to get $172,000 tax-free. I think that's one of the key aspects to this, Doug, is a lot of people will think long-term care, oh, that's just something I'm paying in on a monthly basis, and I probably won't ever need it, and therefore I will have thrown all that money away. Uh, I want the money to go to my kids or to my charity. Well, folks, as Doug is saying, asset-based long-term care, that money doesn't disappear. If you do end up not needing it and you live a healthy life until the last week of your life and you don't use long-term care, that money doesn't disappear. It still goes to your beneficiaries with the interest that it accumulated the time that it was, quote-unquote, invested. So it's a win-win situation. This is not like your old 
uh, long-term care insurance or what you might be thinking of like uh, a car insurance where if you don't get in a car accident, it disappears. That is not the case with this kind of policy, and a lot of people are not aware of that. And all you have to do if you want to have these kind of conversations with us, 336-391-3409. Again, give us a call, 336 391 3409. Happy to talk to you about this or anything else you want to talk about as far as retirement planning goes. Doug? Well, I think that's the end of our show for today, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Stay cool out there. It's a long, hot summer. It's a hot one, folks. We'll see you next week. Take care.